The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to episode 319 of the Sports Yak podcast. You mean the Cecil and Prince Fielder episode? Cecil and Prince Fielder. Because the father and the son both hit 319 big league homers in their career. I think this is the first time we've ever had a double uh, honoree, and they're related. Father and son, believe it or not, both hitting 319 homers in their career. Wow. Cecil, a big star with the Tigers in the late 80s and early 90s. Prince wound up playing a little bit with the Tigers, also played with the Milwaukee Brewers. Unfortunately, they're a father and son that uh, kind of have grown apart from one another. But Cecil and Prince Fielder, episode 319. Do either one of them have a World Series ring? I do not believe so, no. Okay. Because I was about to say, who's the who's the better player with the ac- more accolades? Prince played fewer years. He played one fewer year than Cecil, so I guess you could say he was a little bit more of a slugger. Okay. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Let's get into it. High school shot clock. What have you heard? What's the news? So the National Federation of High Schools has recommended that in the 2022-2023 season, high schools begin using a 35-second shot clock in basketball games. It's a recommendation. It's not a mandate. Therefore, each high school athletic association, whether it be the IHSA or the NHSA, can decide what they want to do with that recommendation. And in light of that and some other developments in high school sports, we've invited the commissioner of the IHSA, Paul Neidig, to join us on Monday's show. Which reminds me, I need you to send that little Zoom link later today. But uh, the commissioner will join us on Monday's show to talk about that and some other issues. But I figured today, rather than interject my thoughts into the commissioner's interview, 
I'd give them today. Personally, I think a 45-second shot clock would be fine. I think a 35-second shot clock hurries the game along a little too much. It's going to get sloppy. You're going to get poor shot selection. What is the current shot clock in college? The college shot clock is 35. Okay. It used to be 45. And NBA? NBA is 24. And I'm sorry, college shot clock, I believe, might be 30 now. Okay. Um. So... NBA is definitely 24. Now, I, I've seen the gamut of reaction from coaches on this from the standpoint of we don't need any shot clock, we don't need to change the game, we need to allow less talented teams to even the playing field to, hey, we've got to do something to pick up the pace of the game. We can't have teams just standing around for two, two and a half minutes Let's go. And there was also, I've also seen the thought expressed by some whatever we can do to help prepare our kids for the next level of the game. Let me take on a couple of these arguments as they go. And let's start with that one. Whatever we can do to help prepare our kids for the next level of the game. Well, first of all, it's a very small percentage of high school players that go on to play college basketball at any level. It's about 10%, maybe 12. So the job of the high school coach is not necessarily to prepare players to play at the next level. It's a small part of the job, but that should not mandate as to how the game is played. And I've never, ever heard a college coach come in and say, well, we play with a shot clock we don't think that player will be able to adjust to playing with a shot clock. So let's throw that little argument out because that doesn't fly. Secondly, let's move on to how long is the average possession now anyway? I would say with a 45-second shot clock, you'd kind of match the pace of a lot of games now anyway. Uh, but it would force a team to play. You couldn't just hold the ball for the last shot. I've, I've been to many games where you get down to the final two minutes and we're just holding the ball. Now, I've also seen, and and I believe uh, my official friend Keith, he's not an official friend of mine, he's a friend who's an official. Mm-hmm. Keith pointed this out. If you're going to have a shot clock, you might want to have a mercy rule or a running clock. Because what happens is you get these 30, 40-point blowouts and because you've got a running clock because one team is far more talented than the other and you still have the the fouling and the, and the things that go on in games. So I, I think there's room for a happy medium there. I, I don't necessarily see the need for the running clock in basketball because I think once it gets to a certain point, teams do stop fouling. They're not trying, they're not saying, oh, we're down by 30, let's send them to the foul line and maybe we'll get back in this game. That's not a a proper thought either. My personal thought, 45-second shot clock would be fine. The problem is there's also an expense involved in this. 
You're going to have to get the shot clock. Okay, that's a one-time expense. Then you're going to have to have somebody who just runs the shot clock. You can't expect the game timer, the person that's running the scoreboard, Mm -hmm. to run the shot clock, too. I think that's too many bells and whistles for them to manage. So typically, and this is the way it works at the college level, there's a game clock operator and a shot clock operator. Because that shot clock resets when the ball hits the rim. Well, sometimes it's tough to tell that the ball hits the rim, and it's not like the college game where you have replay, where you can double-check that. So there's, there's a lot of nuance here and a lot of things that would have to be figured out. And I'm sure that's one of the things that the commissioner will talk about on Monday. But it's not as easy as everybody thinks. It It's not as easy as, oh, yeah, just put in a shot clock and we're good to go. We'll adjust. Yes, coaches will have to adjust. And, yes, a shot clock will tend to favor the more talented team. But it would not be something that couldn't be worked around. Now, you've been to... An, a number of basketball games. Mm-hmm. Would you be in favor of a shot clock? Listening to you talk, and, and as a reminder to our listening audience, I know nothing about sports. I like the idea of a shot clock because you said the low percentage of, you know, maybe 10% of people go on to play college. Maybe this is a small glimpse to what that world is like for kids that won't get to go that next level. I also think in the practice situation, I've never been to a practice, I've never been a coach, having a shot clock to go, look, this is what we need to do in this amount of time mm-hmm. uh, so it maybe sharpens the players. I'm surprised technology hasn't caught up with when the ball hits the rim, the shot clock resets. Like there isn't some sort of technology that's been worked out where that kind of takes out the human error, you know? Sure. Uh, I like the idea of the shot clock. I think you're on to something with it needs to be longer. Well, and from a selfish reason, here's the other reason a shot clock needs to be 45 seconds or more. So Bob can get in the live reads during the 46 game of the week. <laughs> That's ultimately what is going on here. You know, now Making we've, sure. Now we've come to the crux of the matter. Yes. Heaven forbid if he were to speed up his process. No, no, no. Or that we shorten the read. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, I'm I'm surprised it's taken till 2021 to put this recommendation out there. Well, and again, it's a recommendation. It's not a mandate. Yeah. So when you take a look at that, the question will be, what will the IHSA do? Because what I've seen so far doesn't lead me to believe that they're going to be the first to adopt it. Yeah, so almost like maybe Monday we'll hear a, hey, thanks for the recommendation. We're going to go ahead and keep doing what we've been doing. By the way, we have run um, Twitter polls on this. Shocking. Shocking that we would do that, but we have. And the more recent one that we've run is, in light of the recommendations for a shot clock, would your ideal shot clock for high schools be... 37% 37% went with 35 seconds. 31% went with 45 seconds. Only 3% with went with 60 seconds. And 29% don't feel like there should be a shot clock. Interesting. That was at 46 sports, that right? That was at 46 sports. It was only 143 votes, but still. And then um, when we did, should there be a shot clock or not, it, it 
kind of mirrored that. It was 70% say yes, there should be a shot clock, and 30% say no. Mm -hmm. Almost like, yeah, we're open to this, but just make sure you get it right. The amount of time. And and I I think that's a key, is you want to make sure you have it right, and you want to make sure the person doing that is trained in how to do it. Right. Because if they're not... (laughs) make for a long game you know what i immediately thought of when you said you got to add another body is every parent going ball hit the rim ball hit the rim yep. and you know that person didn't see it or whatever once again technology catch up so there you have it so who are we talking to on monday we are co- talking to paul nidig he is the commissioner of the indiana high school athletic association This guy could easily be like, oh, we've been talking about this for years. We've been waiting for this to happen. We're flipping the switch. We shall see. And I would encourage the maniacs, if you have a question about Indiana high school sports that you want me to ask the commissioner, please tweet at us at the Yak or at 46 Sports. As long as it's put in a respectful fashion, I will pass it along. Uh, Do not ask, oh, why are you such an idiot? Because that, I'm <laughs> maybe not that going is, to ask that. Maybe that wasn't for Paul. Well, that's true. That's probably for you or me. <laughs> Speaking of questions, we had a Twitter question about underrated, overrated, Weird Al Yankovic. We've done that in our past. Yes, I know we that have. one. So you'll have to go back in the archives to find that one out. Another one rides the bus, and another one on, and another one on, another one rides the bus. Maybe we can have the intern update the little Google sheet that he put together. If, if he's got time. He's working for his grandmother today, but we shall see. (laughs) Let's get into the NFL schedule that has been released. So the schedule release was Wednesday night. We knew some little nuggets about it. We knew the Bears were going to open up on a Sunday night against the Rams on network television. We also knew that they were going to play the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. By the way, they've moved that game up to 1130 in the morning. It used to be, or excuse me, it is a 1230. I'm sitting here looking at the Bears' schedule and realizing, oh, they're on Central Time. So that's a 12-30 game on Thanksgiving Day. Here's the unique thing about the Chicago Bears' schedule in 2021, and this has never happened in the history of the Chicago Bears. Okay, this should be interesting. Every other week, it alternates between home and road. They never have two back-to-back road games. They never have two back-to-back home games. Wow, really? It flips every week i've never noticed that so well because it's never happened before Mm. so this year it alternates of the home games let's see one two three four five six seven of the eight home games are one o'clock starts which if you're a bears fan very convenient for you and as our buddy ken who is a longtime bengals fan told me about andy dalton Oh, he'll probably be 7-1 and one then. Because if it's a 1 o'clock game that nobody cares about, Andy Dalton's great. <laughs> I like a 1 o'clock kickoff. I, I like too. That. I like that one. So, 1 o'clock kickoffs for most of the home games. The only one that isn't is the Monday night game that they play against the Vikings, and that is on December 20th. Meanwhile, the road schedule for the Bears, uh, they will... Like I said, open up against the Rams. Like I said. They also go out and they play at Vegas. Uh, They play at Tampa Bay. They play at Pittsburgh. 
told you about the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. They have a Sunday night game against the Packers in December. Oh, that should be toasty. The toughest place for the Bears to play, would you say, would be where? Well, Soldier Field? <laughs> I, no, I would say Green Bay. Green Bay. I mean, when was the last time they won up in Green Bay? Mm. Going to Seattle is not going to be easy either on the 26th of December. But those those are the toughest places for them to play at. Yeah, that's basically, you're in Seattle for Christmas. I mean, there's no way they're going the oh, day yeah. of. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's part of being a professional athlete yep. these days. Yeah. The Colts, man, they've, they have a tough schedule from the standpoint of, if you look at those first four games, so the Colts open up at home against Seattle. Then they've got the Rams coming in on the 19th. They go to Tennessee on the 26th, and they go to Miami on October 3rd. That's a pretty strong schedule because, Corey, all four of those teams that I just mentioned had 10 wins or more last year. So those are four good teams that the Colts have to open up with. And then when you get to the back end of the schedule, they've got the Patriots in Week 15. They play on Christmas Day against at Arizona, January 2nd against the Raiders, and they finish up at Jacksonville on January 9th. So tough start and a tough end to the schedule for the Colts. In fact, the NFL really didn't do the Colts any favors with this schedule at all. So uh, a very difficult season coming up for Indianapolis and, of course, all kinds of questions about Carson Wentz, their quarterback. Now, they did pick up a nice offensive tackle pickup in Eric Fisher, but we'll see if he's able to play toward that Achilles last year. And then the Lions, they will open up at home against the 49ers on September 12th. They have a Monday night game against the Packers in Week 2, so a rare Monday night appearance for Detroit. And, of course, the Thanksgiving Day game against the Bears. This is uh, May the 14th as we record this. I am going on the record of saying the NFL will be at full capacity this fall. What do you think colleges will be? I'm still formulating that opinion. Colleges don't start that much before the NFL. Yeah, they're outside. I think, I think the colleges will be at full capacity, too. And here's why. Money, 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 money. Yeah, I asked that uh, with Chuck earlier this morning, and boy, <laughs> that was a quick response. Follow the money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the SEC has basically already said, we're going full tilt boogie this year. Yeah. And I expect everybody else to to kind of fall in line. Okay. Uh, including Notre Dame. I have no reason to believe that Notre Dame will be anything but 100% capacity by the time that we hit September 11th for Toledo. I know baseball teams are going to 60% capacity this weekend in Chicago. Uh, the White Sox will be opening up their stadium to more fans. They will also have a couple of sections that will be vaccinated only. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Now, you have to bring proof, proof, obviously. But they will have a couple sections which will allow them to fill those entire sections instead of having the social distancing that they'll have in other sections of the ballpark, which is why they can go to 60% capacity rather than 50. We were looking at a possible Memorial Day game, and uh, those tickets go on sale, I think, 
today, maybe? Might be. To open up the, the higher percentage. For Wrigley? Yeah. Are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Now, the White Sox, they might be the hotter ticket right now from the standpoint of they're certainly the hotter team. They have won six in a row. Last or yesterday, they finished off a sweep of Minnesota with a 4-2 triumph. First time I really had a chance to watch a full White Sox game this year. They had an afternoon game. Cubs weren't playing. There was really nothing else to get in the way. And they played well. Tim Anderson, their shortstop, hit a home run on the very first pitch of the game. And Jake Lamb had a homer. Defensively, I think the Sox, no pun intended, still have some holes. Um, Jake Lamb is not a first baseman. Now, normally they play Jose Abreu there, but they were trying to give him a day off. And they just have some defensive deficiencies on that team. But their starting pitching is really good. Lance Lynn, boy, he labored through five innings yesterday. He threw 111 pitches in five innings, but he got through it, only giving up one run and picked up the win. Bullpen did a pretty good job. They've got some flame-throwing arms in that bullpen. This Garrett Crochet kid that they bring in, Corey. First of all, he's got a leg kick very much like John Cleese in the minister... Uh, Minister of Walking. I'm now going to have to watch just for that. Uh, throws a fastball right around 100 miles an hour, and then he's got this slider that's got nasty movement on it. And he threw a couple of those yesterday that just had the twins frozen. And then they bring in Liam Hendricks as their closer, and he's doing a great job too. So as we've discussed on this show the Sox really only have to get past Cleveland in the American League Central. The rest of the division, I mean, they've they've turned last year's division champ, Minnesota, into an also-ran already by, here we are on May 14th. I mean, we're not even halfway through the month of May, and the Twins are looking like a team that's not even a contender in the American League Central. That's where you and I differ. Um, I love that you have a love for baseball. If it's not the Cubs, I'm not watching. I just don't care. If it's not the Chicago Bears, it's got to be something spectacular for me to go, okay, but I just don't. Well, I think a lot of fans are like that. They have their teams, and that's what they care about, and that's fine. You know, part of the reason I watch the Sox is because we do the show, and and I want to be able to converse about them in an almost knowledgeable way. So... I watched yesterday. I enjoy Jason Benetti. I think Jason Benetti and Steve Stone are a good broadcast team. Yeah, there's that angle, too. They're entertaining to listen to. Mm -hmm. You've also got an enormous amount of history with former players in college that you kind of see them in the league, and you can put your eye on them. It's like, oh, I called that guy back in the day, and you've got that. Yeah. But, like, if one of my favorite players or a player of a former Cubs team goes to another, I'm not going to watch the Nationals anytime soon. You're not watching for Schwarber and Lester? I'm not. I kind of want to, but it's like, nah, I'm not going to go out of my way for that. Yeah. I'll watch a highlight. Right. You give me a highlight, okay, but not putting an investment in the game. What about the Tigers? You, yeah, I will go nowhere near that ball club. <laughs> uh, now, they're playing the Cubs the next three days. So I you feel might like them. every time I hear anything of the Tigers that come out of your mouth on this program, it's because they've lost. But they've won three in a row. What? They have won three in a row. Now, they had the pleasure of playing the Kansas City Royals, who have now lost 11 straight, 
and your buddy Sean Styers is just sticking his head into the sand, <laughs> trying not to pay attention. But the Tigers beat the Royals yesterday by a count of four to three, so they have won three in a row. And the Cubs come to Comerica Park this weekend. Jake Arrieta coming off the injured list, and maybe we'll finally see the Cubs start to get a little bit healthier and be able to make a run in the National League Central because right now they're a banged up unit. Was the last time the Royals uh, was that 2015 World Series? Yeah, right before the Cubs. Okay, very good. It's been a while. That, but that's impressive coming from you, Mister. Well, I don't know anything. Well, about you know sports. why? You know why? Because Zobrist was on that team in 2015. Okay. Then he came to the Cubs in 2016, and he just brings the rings with him. He just brings them, Chuck. And then he falls off the face of the earth. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I think we know why. Yeah. Well. Sometimes players do that. You know, the the divorce really took its toll on him. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just full-time dad doing full-time dad stuff, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. He's earned enough money where he can do that. Yeah. Notre Dame softball knocked out of the ACC tournament yesterday by number 20 Virginia Tech by a count of 4-1. to That snaps the Irish 14-game win streak. However, I do think they put themselves into position to get an NCAA tournament berth. Those berths will come out. On Sunday, on the high school diamonds yesterday, a freshman at Clay, Jessica Cleveland, throws a perfect game. 12 nothing win over Michigan City Marquette. Katie Rodriguez's squad is having a dynamite year for Clay. And they will host a strikeout cancer tournament tomorrow out at Belleville Park. So if you're a softball fan, you can see a lot of good softball teams and games out of Belleville Park tomorrow and help out a good cause. I'll be the MC for that for the opening ceremonies right around 1030. Uh, so we encourage you to go out and support that. What are your duties? My duties are to introduce the teams, uh, introduce the coaches, introduce the ceremonial first pitch, and that's pretty much it. Sounds it, like you need a better duty. It's it's an easy gig. Yeah. It's an easy gig, but... Uh, my daughter Mary, when she was going through her PNH recovery, she threw out the first pitch oh. at the event uh, about two or three years ago. Great! So it's it's always a great event, and uh, we look forward to helping them out. Also on the softball diamonds yesterday, Concord's Lindsay Delio throws a shutout and beats Mishawaka two nothing. That's noteworthy because that's the first loss in the Northern Lakes Conference for the Cavemen. They are now tied with Northridge and Warsaw with one loss apiece in the NLC, but Northridge and Warsaw go head-to-head today out in Middlebury. And by the way, if you've not been out to the baseball softball complex at Northridge High School, ooh, is that a treat. Artificial turf on both diamonds, and it is a beautiful facility. Can I see that from the road? Because we're going to be driving past it tonight. I don't think you'd be able to see it from the road. It's kind of it's, in the it's back. It's tucked in in okay. the back. What I would, well, what I would do is I would get off as though I were going to Northridge High School mm-hmm. and then kind of follow along in the road that goes by the football stadium, and you might be able to see the softball and baseball facility in the back there. It'd be worth the turn off, I think. Uh, and certainly the game would be worth going to tonight, but y- you've got other plans. The Chicago Bulls are somehow still alive in the NBA playoff picture. They have two games left in the season. They trail the Washington Wizards by two. So you do the math. The Bulls have to win two. The Wizards have to lose two. 
in order for the Bulls to get into the NBA play-in. But they stayed alive last night, beating Toronto 114-102. Zach Levine with 24. You just wonder what a difference it would have been in the Bulls' season if Levine would have been healthy all season. But he hadn't been. He had to miss a couple of weeks with COVID, and during that couple-week stretch, the Bulls absolutely stunk up the joint. Kobe White had a big dunk last night on Stanley Johnson that was, I think, number two in the Sports Center top ten. So good for the Bulls. It would be nice to see them relevant again, but I still don't think they're going to make the postseason. There's too much that has to go their way in order for them to make it. It looks like the Pacers will make the postseason, as we've talked about on this show, even though they lost to Milwaukee last night, 142-133. to Your boy Giannis. Jonathan Kumpo. 40 points, 15 rebounds. Not a bad night. He good. Milwaukee will be a force in the Eastern Conference playoffs, although they'll have to contend with Brooklyn. Who knows how healthy the Nets will be. And then Philadelphia with that combination of Embiid and Simmons, always a always a force. Uh, we mentioned the local diamonds. Big night of track and field last night for Notre Dame. They have a uh, they have an All American by the name of Yared Nagus, who is very possibly going to be running in the Tokyo Olympics should there be a Tokyo Olympics. And Nagus last night set an NCAA record in the fifteen hundred meters. He ran it in 334.68. Is this three minutes? Three minutes, 34.68 seconds. 1,500 meters, which is almost a mile. Okay. So think about that. Remember, the big deal used to be, oh, can you run a four-minute mile? And he's going 334.68. So he's flying. That was not only an NCAA record. That's the fastest time in that event run by an American this year. And if you look at the video that Notre Dame posted, he is lonely at the finish. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look like there's anybody within the area code of him. I'll have to check so, that out. So that was impressive to watch, but that's a name to watch as you go forward. Now, we won't include that one if we ever play Mariner versus Olympian again, but Yared Nagus of Notre Dame very possibly could be an Olympian this year. And then last night over at Rice Field, what a great track meet they had for the NIC championships. You know, John Carroll is the head coach at Penn, and he tweeted yesterday, I'll take an all-star team from the NIC and put it up against any conference in the state and feel like I can be really competitive. And two guys had great meets last night. Derek Woods of Elkhart can flat-out fly, folks. He won the 100, the 200, and he anchored the 4 by 100 relay team. I feel like I remember that name during football. Football. He was the kid that scored seven touchdowns in a game. Oh, that Derek that Woods. That Derek Woods. <laughs> and, but he wasn't enough. Penn's depth comes through. They also had a huge performance from a hurdler named Vinny Nears Wiki. He won both the 110 high hurdles, the 300-meter low hurdles, and he won the high jump all in the same night. So Nears Wiki leads Penn to the NIC title. And uh, that was a great track meet. Remember, Penn ranked 13th this week. Elkhart ranked 17th. And I think those two are in the same sectional, but I'm not 100% sure. Sectionals for track and field. Girls is Tuesday. The boys will be Thursday. I want to 
bring forth, normally we play overrated, underrated, but before we get to that, I was thinking this morning, you know, when we grew up, Corey, we had certain guys were the voice of certain sports. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if if you were watching a baseball game, you expected to see Vin Scully. He was the voice of baseball. If you were watching a college football game, it was Keith Jackson. And I'm thinking, who are the voices of sports now? If, if you are, for instance, let's say a college football game. Mm-hmm. Keith Jackson's gone. Brent Musburger's gone. Who would you say is the voice of college football now? Well, I would say this plays back into my comment earlier. I align myself with specific teams. So you said Vin Scully. I said Harry Carey. Okay. You know, you said Keith Jackson. Yeah, I understand that. But I would also say Tony Roberts. All right. Because I like Notre Dame football. So I don't even know who really calls Notre Dame. I don't pay attention that much anymore to who's calling the game these days. Uh, I mean, who? I mean, Tony uh, Dungy. Last season, he did the game with Mike Tirico. Yeah, but it, so it might be Drew Drew Brees this year. This year, yeah. So I might pay more attention, but I would say college football. I think of the two guys that do the night games, uh, Craig Fowler and Chris Fowler and Kirk Chris, Yeah, I think of those two. I would say you're exactly right. I mean, that's who I associate with college football. Yeah, and that whole college game day experience on Saturday mornings, which they're wise to put Corso's picks. At noon, because let's face it, between 9 and 11.30, America's watching the 46th game of the week. They have no time for this no. college football. Ain't nobody got time for that. And fiddly D. Um, baseball, I'm not sure there is a national voice for baseball. I realize Joe Buck's been doing the World Series for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure people associate Joe Buck with baseball. Yeah. Almost a... Uh a jack-of-all-trades these days. Baseball is such a regional sport Yes, that I don't think they necessarily have a national voice anymore. What about the NFL? Who's your go-to guy for an NFL game? Oh, boy. Now, you have... I'll I'll tell you who you have. Mm -hmm. You have Buck and Aikman on Fox. You have Jim Nance and Tony Romo on CBS. You have the Monday Night Football crew, which is Steve Levy and a couple of other other guys on ESPN. And then you have Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on NBC. And for my money, Al Michaels is the voice of the NFL. Yeah, I don't love who calls Bears games at that 1 o'clock kickoff. It's usually a former player and somebody. You're not getting the creme de la creme for a Bears 1 p.m. kickoff. I guarantee you that. Who's with Romo? Jim Nance. I kind of like those two. Are they the voice of that sport? Ooh, I'd say Al Michaels. I'm yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, Would you change the pairing if you could, Al and someone else? I'm not a big Chris Collinsworth fan. Uh, I don't think he's terrible. If I had to put Michael, well, I always enjoyed Al Michaels and John Madden, but I understand John Madden hasn't done it for years and i don't want to sound like old guy Mm -hmm. i guess i would go michaels and romo i guess i prefer romo over aikman Mm -hmm. to me romo brings a little bit more flash 
I know he's unpolished. He hasn't been doing it as long as Aikman. Um, but I think there's just a little, you get a little more energy there with Romo than you do with Aikman. I'm transferring audio for uh, Kevin Matthews fans. Sure. Uh, going from cassette to digital. And uh, for my buddies, I'm editing out all the commercials, except for John Madden for Ace Hardware. Oh, yeah. I think it's just fun and nostalgic to hear. It is. And I kind of miss the voice. Well, a young 1988-89 John Madden voice. And, of course, it was made all the more famous by Frank Caliendo and his imitation of John Madden, which John Madden did not like at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was so dead on? Maybe. <laughs> NBA, I know Mike Breen is is kind mm. of the main play-by-play guy for uh, the NBA, but I, I still lean towards Marv Albert. I, I think Marv has lost his fastball a little bit, but I that's the voice I associate with the NBA. Is he in New York? Uh, well, he does TNT. Oh, okay. TNT games. Okay. And then hockey was Doc Emmerich for a long time. It's going to be Kenny Albert now. He's going to be the voice on uh, TBS along with Eddie Olchick. Now that that package is going over there, but it's hard to get better than Doc Emmerich. Okay. And he was the voice of hockey for a long time. College basketball. I know Nance does the Final Four, and he has for years. I tell you what, I lean towards Gus Johnson. To me, Gus Johnson on Fox, it it brings more of the energy that I associate with college basketball. Nance only does, like, the NCAA tournament. He doesn't really do any regular season college basketball games. Who am I thinking of that does color? He's older. Bill, Bill Raftery. Ooh. I, the fastball has been retired, in my opinion. Oh, you think so? See, yeah. I still like me some Bill Raftery. Oh. I'd rather listen to him than Billis. Okay. Now, if you have an opinion, please let us know. Sure. And how do they do that? Well, they can tweet us at SportsYak. With two Ks. Or tweet you at my name is Corey, and you'll say, what are they talking about? This has nothing to do with me. <laughs> or they can tweet me at 46 Sports. What is this gif and meme that they just sent me? Makes no sense. Speaking of uh, announcers, let's throw one into overrated, underrated. Joe Buck. Overrated. Why? I don't hear what the broadcasting world finds... Uh, attractive or professional about him. I don't know what the big deal is. I just don't. I think he's well prepared. I I very rarely hear him in a situation where he's ill prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has learned to laugh at himself a little bit, which took some time. He managed to emerge from his father's rather immense shadow. Jack Buck was a huge figure in sports casting. And yes, that helped Joe Buck get his foot in the door. Joe would readily admit that. Mm-hmm. But I think over the years he's shown that he's up to the task. And as many big events that he has been put on by Fox, uh, I would say he's down the middle. I think he gets a bad rap. I've seen him do a couple of HBO interviews. I don't know that, I mean, good for you for being prepared, but. I don't know that the interviewing is his strength. Yeah. I think his strength. So, do you is think that's play. a passion uh, project for him? Like, I'd like to expand my horizons. I oh, mean, yeah. Okay. Well, he wants to host Jeopardy too. Well, I don't see it, but he wants to do it. Has he done it yet? Has he filled I in? Don't, no, no, I don't think I saw his name this summer. 
or did I? I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Let's see what kind of chops he brings to that. I think he'd well, he'd certainly bring more energy to the guy that's been doing the last two weeks. A little rough around the edges. Ooh. You might be great on 60 Minutes, not so great hosting a game show. Right. And then also for overrated and underrated, I heard her on the way into work today, and it made me think of this. Belinda Carlisle. Oh, I love me some Belinda Carlisle. But I'm I'm talking about as a musician. <laughs> you know, um, you got your go-go's, you got your uh, solo career. I it's not massive. I mean, all girl band that actually played their instruments. You know, I think there's one or two go-go's albums that were pretty big. The formula of the five songs combined with solo career. There actually are. Yeah. Uh, Circle in the Sand, Heaven is a Place on Earth, We Got the Beat, Vacation, uh, Head Over Heels. There's five right there. I'd I'd say down the middle. I mean, it's been it's been a hot minute since she's had anything. Oh, no question that uh, anyone has heard. But I mean, at the uh, top of her game, I'd say down the middle. I'd agree with you. She actually put on a great live show. I saw her do uh, the solo career thing at uh, Maryville, the Star Plaza. Before that was demolished. It was a decent show. My wife loved it. Well, that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, she'll love tonight's show. That you're oh, taking too Michael well. W. Smith, are you kidding me? A little date night for the man. Let's go, Shipshawana. Because nothing says romance like Shipshawana. What'd you say for uh, Belinda Carlo? Where, I said you down land? the middle. Oh, you said down I the middle with you. Okay. Yeah. There's a Showtime documentary on the Go-Go's that's coming out, if you have Showtime. Really? They I put lo- together a documentary on the Go-Go's. I love me a good documentary, so if you want to do a deep dive on the Go-Go's, wow. go to Showtime. <laughs> You're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. Speaking of which, we are about to go live on Twitter with our pairings of the One Hit Wonder competition. Yes, so if you can't watch it live, we'll save it so you can peruse it at your convenience. We've got the Tumblr in here. We do. We've got the uh, the sheets. I've cut up all the one-hit wonders. And you might be asking yourself, how did you come up with this list, Corey? All of these songs, these 44 songs, have made their way to number one. There's no number twos, number fives, number tens. They've all sat at the top of the list. And then as an artist... They've disappeared. And this tournament will be a staple of the yak for the next, well, 43 shows. Yes. And you can vote. Uh, Do you think you'll retweet some of these? Oh, yes. All right. 46 Sports, Sports Yak with two Ks. I suggest you follow immediately. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Until next time, yak fans. Ooga-looga, Cecil and Prince Fielder. They don't get along anymore. Reconcile. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.